0: Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's g r a m m a r l y. dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: The Hot Talk podcast is brought to you by Heinman Services. Heinman Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336.
2: Yo, what is going on Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere, welcome to the Hog Talk Podcast, episode number 109 on your Friday show. Just a heads up, want to give you guys a heads up here. We're recording on Wednesday night, like, it, at, at, like almost 10 o'clock, so whatever happens tomorrow on Thursday, we might be a little bit behind, please forgive us on that. Uh, due to scheduling conflicts, Kyle and I, it was it's my fault, not going to lie, my fault. We're having to record this thing a little bit early uh, again on Wednesday night. Uh, Kyle, how you doing, man? Thanks so much for
1: taking time out of your Wednesday evening to, to chat. Yeah, man, I mean, your schedule's just screwing us all up. I mean, I'm just joking. No, I mean, I'm doing good. Uh, pretty crazy day of events, um, like you said, as we're recording on Wednesday and uh, Twitter just started erupting with whether we're going to be playing Notre Dame or not and what what we'll be playing, Arkansas State, all kinds of different conspiracies out there of what could possibly be happening uh, with the SEC commissioners or or the SEC athletic directors meeting with the commissioner, Greg Sankey, Mm -hmm. on Thursday. Uh, So a lot that's going to happen. I personally, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and give a hot take that uh, since, since it is about a day and a half early before this is being posted that I don't think that anything's going to happen, at least until we actually get into August. I know we're on the verge of that, but uh, I I still think they're going to keep waiting this thing out until they just cannot anymore.
2: That's what they're doing. They're buying their time. That's what they're doing. They don't, you know, they're waiting on COVID to see what it does. The minute they get a a lower negative, you know, going in the opposite direction, a good trend, I think they're waiting for that moment. I kind of feel like that's what's happening. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, This is a pretty loaded podcast. On the next segment, Kyle actually interviews former Arkansas Razorback catcher Brian Walker, so you're going to want to catch that. Apparently it was a hoot. Uh, I know I'm looking forward to listening to that interview. Before we get into everything, let's knock out the the stuff that we can just kind of throw out there really quick. August 3rd is the deadline for Isaiah Joe to declare for the NBA draft. Kyle, really quick, yes, no, is he coming back?
1: I think he's going pro we had Steve Sullivan on I've I've stood strong really since uh, we you and I started talking about this what Mm -hmm. was it in like late March early April Uh, we had Steve Sullivan on on Monday's show from KATV and he had we we were basically on the same page initially we had both thought that he was going to come back of course testing the NBA draft waters and he's gotten just about call from what I've been hearing from a, a I'm, I'm paid to be source guy, but I've heard from pretty reliable sources that he uh, has gotten calls from just about every team. Uh, there's one or two in particular that absolutely love him. I think Ty, you, you and I probably have uh, that same source, but um, he is uh, the way the just the way that things have been going. Uh, I'm thinking that he is going to be going pro. He will not be back at Fayetteville. I don't really buy into much to the whole entire like he hasn't been at practice, yeah, I, I get where those like those thoughts can come from. But at the same time, I just feel that he's done a very good job. He and his family both have uh, done a very good job of keeping this quiet in-house. And it, it's he has done as a Razorback, I believe. I think that he's going to uh, enter the draft. And there's been some mock drafts that have had him as high as 18, um, as low as being undrafted. Yeah, so I think it is. It is done. His time and fate. Yeah,
2: he's he's. I haven't actually looked him up in a while. I don't. I the last thing I saw on NBC Sports, I don't even remember when that was. It might have been around. Might have might have been around April. Uh, they did not have him in the first round. They had him. I, I I'm trying to remember now. I don't even know if they had him on their list at all to be drafted, uh, or at least not in the top of their top forty. I don't think they had him in the top forty but this is the thing like the nba draft you know and combined with how that already is combined with the fact that you have this unorthodox offseason god only knows where he gets I, I think he gets drafted i think he's going i've kind of felt that way for a while i I've, I've never really felt super comfortable about uh, well at least recently about him coming back the longer he waits this thing out again august 3rd it's 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 july 29th and we've heard nothing, so I, I don't feel very confident that uh, that he's coming back. That's you know we won't go down the road of, of what that means for the for this next season. Assuming we have this next basketball season, I, I, who knows where we're at with with this COVID stuff. But um, that definitely changes a little bit. That change well, it changes a lot. It changes the dynamic of this basketball team quite a bit. Does it mean that it's that that's all bad? Just means that some guys are going to get some more playing time than, uh, than I think you and I originally thought. Brandon Allen, former Arkansas Razorback quarterback, is expected to sign with the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, by the time you guys hear this on Friday, it could, have, could already have, have happened, but he is expected to sign with the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't have any details on any rumors on the contracts yet. Also, going into the uh, 2022 class, Isaiah, the the Fayetteville wideout, number number one player in the state of Arkansas in the 2022 class, according to 247, Isaiah Santegna, the wideout, has now been given two crystal balls, they're just clanging around, to Arkansas recently on 247, just in the last couple of days, by Trey Biddy and Danny West. His teammate at Fayetteville, three-star linebacker Caden Turner, who's... You know, everything I've heard about this kid is if, if he goes camping, Kyle, he could act, he, he might get a bump. That doesn't mean he's going to get four stars next to his name, but he could get a bump in state ratings. But right now I think he's like the number – he's somewhere around the top 15, but he's 6'2", 220. He has four crystal balls to Arkansas as well. What do you – do you think – we've been talking about Caden for a while now that he's going to – he's he's one of those guys in that 2022 class that could commit relatively soon. You still think that?
1: Yeah, I definitely think Caden will be a Razorback. I would almost bet on that. Last week when J.J. Hollingsworth out of Greenland committed, I personally thought whenever we heard that there was somebody on commit watch, I thought it was going to be Caden. I think that guy is just Arkansas through and through. It seems like J.J. obviously was as well. And I'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, Brandon Allen actually is officially a Cincinnati Bengal. Boom. Uh, Zach Taylor, who was his offensive coordinator in, in St. Louis, under Sean McVay. Uh, he knows the offense. I think Brandon Allen's perfect to bring in, to tutor a, a rookie uh, in Joe Burrow. That's a really good move, I think. There, It's really just more of insurance, kind of like what he was a, in Denver. So uh, it's good to see B.A. continue to hold on uh, in the NFL. I think he's he's done a pretty good job just about everywhere he's been. He won a game for the Broncos last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he is officially a Cincinnati Bengal. Um, going back to the recruiting yeah, I do think Caden is going to be is going to be a Razorback, and and he he and uh, Syntegna they they both play for Fayetteville. It's because yep. Syntegna is a, a receiver. Yeah, so they're teammates, and I and I I haven't done a whole. It's kind of crazy. He's the number one receiver uh, or number one player, uh, depending on where you look at for twenty for two thousand twenty two, and I really haven't done a whole lot of research on him. I haven't seen his film or anything, but. Um, I would imagine just being in the backyard that the Razorbacks have a really good shot at him. But I I think Caden Turner could possibly be – I I think I actually said last week that the first one to commit for 2022, if it's in-state, will be Caden Turner or J.J. Hollingsworth. And J.J. Hollingsworth ended up committing, I believe, the next day. And so uh, I would not be shocked if Caden Turner is the next one.
2: Yeah, Caden is – yeah, Again, four crystal balls. I mean, it sounds pretty obvious that he should end up being a Razorback, but you never know. Those crystal balls have been, uh, you know, they've been wrong when you when you look at a guy like Norwood and, and some other prospects in the last several years. You know, and something else that they've started doing is the, the confidence points. I wonder too if that's. I don't know if it's incentivizing these recruiting sites to just throw out these crystal ball predictions and then back that up with like a really low confidence level. But I think. I think Caden's got a pretty high uh, confidence level, according to most of the guys that have – of the four that have um, given him the prediction to Arkansas. Um, That 2022 class, you talk about Isaiah Centegna. Yeah, him and his teammate Caden Fayville. Uh, It's good to see NWA putting out prospects. That's kind of been the story in in the state of Arkansas for for the last, you know, 10, 12 years, you know. It's good to see NWA doing that, but also in that 2022 class, you've got a lot of Central Arkansas kids as well from the Little Rock area. That's also good to see. Uh, Maybe you won't have to leave the state too far. It doesn't look like they want to with all those offers out. They're still at, I think, nine total offers to in-state kids in that 2022 class. Speaking of recruiting, uh, we talked about this. I talked about this on the Monday night, the uh, Pig Trail live show on YouTube Pigtrow Network show. Uh, four-star wideout, major hog target, Kitron Jackson, goes on a, quote-unquote, I, I, I guess this is a, an official thing now is what, the, the, what recruiting sites call this, a, quote-unquote, independent visit. He went on an independent visit to Texas. Uh, it had been rumored through several channels that Texas was his actual dream school uh, but they were very, they were pretty late in the process at offering him, and Arkansas and TCU really have been at the at the, near the top from the rumors, anyways. From these uh, recruiting analysts around the country, the belief has been that it's it's been Arkansas, and in fact, you know, I've had people ask me they think that the radar is so hot with him being a hog. If he was a silent commit, if I thought maybe he was a silent commit, or should he be on commit watch for the University of Arkansas? And this is going back to like March. And I've said I felt very confident that he would end up committing somewhere, probably to Arkansas, before the season actually started. Now, obviously, with COVID, things, it's just wonky, unorthodox, crazy. Anything could happen. But now with this independent visit, Kyle, uh, they weren't originally – I don't believe they were ever really in, in his in his short list because of that late offer. How big of a threat do you think this is to Arkansas's chances of getting uh,
1: Kitron Jackson? Well, you got to understand that when you look at – and this is something I experienced from being in Texas for three years. You, you've got – and I've talked about it before. You've got A&M, you've got Tech, you've got UT, so many – Big, big Division one schools there. But at the end of the day, despite the fact that they have, to an extent, struggled compared to what they are used to, UT is still it for a lot of Texas kids. And it, look, let's look at Kevonte Dixon. You know, he was out of Carthage, Texas, was committed to the Razorbacks. Uh, he and his teammate – I can't remember the offensive line. Uh, was, it, was it Tykeus Crawford, the, the offensive lineman that was committed to us – so those two guys from Carthage under Chad Morris and even when Kilvante was committed to the Razorbacks before things started really hitting the fan last season, he had been very open that if he, and then also his brothers there. So that probably had a lot to do with it, but he had been very open with the fact is that, yeah, I haven't gotten that offer from Texas. So right now I am hundred percent committed to, to the Razorbacks. Danny West from hog sports went on on record saying stuff about that multiple times. And so that's just one example, but I was a little bit concerned seeing as though it was down to TCU and Arkansas and then A&M was in the mix, but the fact that he just pretty much went to UT on his own. um, (laughs) Yeah. I'd say that's pretty concerning. I mean, Austin is a, uh, it's a pretty, not really my cup of tea personally, but um, it's uh, UT is a very good university. Austin's a pretty cool town. And so, um, if you're from there, I can definitely understand. It's just kind of like how we talk about all the time about you know Arkansas boys want to play for the Razorbacks, and really at the end of the day, you can talk about A and M, you can talk about Baylor, you can talk about all these schools in Texas. But I can promise you, at the end of the day, it is still UT. Yeah,
2: and that's 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 a good point. You know, Texas is on everyone's radar down there, especially when you when you have them offer you. I just wonder if is it too little, too late for Texas? And uh, I had some screenshots sent to me from, from their board. Some friends of mine were sending me after all this was going down, and they were like, yeah, obviously UT fans now feel like he's going to end up being a Longhorn. And of course, that's going to happen when you go on like like basically an unofficial visit on your own. And Of course, it helps that they're right down the road. I kind of went on a rant Monday about that. Like, shouldn't he then be allowed to travel to Arkansas and to, and to go on a, a, some form of a visit? Just to give you guys a heads up, an independent visit uh, means he, he can be on campus, he can tour the facilities, but he, has, he can only have – he has no contact with anybody, zero contact with players and or staff while on his visit because of COVID-19. I don't know if that's – obviously this independent visit thing will be a thing of the past after COVID, assuming it's gone – um, maybe not. Maybe we'll be in the post-apocalyptic world where Terminators are walking around. You, you never know. What, God only knows what the future looks like and what it holds for college football and how the NCAA is going to regulate everything. But, uh, yeah, the independent visit basically is he just <laughs> – he wandered around their athletic facility on his own. Uh, as far as I know, he couldn't have any form of contact, not even on phone, couldn't text message, couldn't do anything, just – basically toured the facilities on his own. I. That's obviously a huge advantage for UT. That's a huge advantage for those in-state uh, programs in the state of Texas. And uh, hopefully it doesn't mean anything. Also, moving on, talking back again about former Arkansas Razorbacks. Adriel Bailey recently agreed to a professional overseas contract in Europe. I can't pronounce his name. God help me. Uh, or- Orzlaini, <laughs> the Orslaini. Aussie Lions. Good it's in league.
1: Hungary, isn't
2: it? Yeah, they're in the Hungry A League. They compete in the Hungary A okay. League. Okay. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. Good luck for him. I mean, c- congrats. Yeah, and- that's great,
1: man. That's great, Adro, man. He. um uh, you, know, you know, I think that it was a little bit unfair. I don't know if you remember Ty, but there was some people that that said he was going to be the next Michael Qualls. I don't know if it was just because he was pretty athletic or the fact that he was from Louisiana, but I think he had some pretty unfair comparisons coming in. I, I want to say he came in the year after Qualls had left, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, but, you know, I thought overall, Adrian did a really good job. He played some great defense for us this year and real, real good kid, man. Just cannot say enough great things about him. And I certainly hope he does well. We've seen a lot of Razorbacks succeed uh, over a lot of former Razorbacks succeed on the European level. Of course, he didn't finish his career here, but Rodney Clark's been killing it there for years. Uh, I believe Kai Madden's done pretty well over there. It did at one point. So uh, a lot lot of former Razorbacks that have done awesome overseas, especially at the European level.
2: Absolutely. We wish him the absolute best as we do for all former Arkansas Razorback players. Um, Okay, next up here. We're not going to go too deep into this because at the moment, we're not sure how accurate it is. This thing has been – since posted and of course we're talking about the Notre Dame playing an ACC only schedule with the uh, with the exception of one non-conference game as far as we know this is this is somewhere in between complete bs or <laughs> it could be completely true like we're not entirely sure so we we we're, we're trying to save our butts here if this turns out to be nothing but a bunch of malarkey and of course you know how this is going to happen Kyle we're going to find out tomorrow that it's a bunch of nonsense but that is, that's the, I guess we call it a rumor right now. And I, I forget who released this first, but I know ESPN pushed some notifications on this. Uh, that Notre Dame, again, could possibly play an, a, an ACC schedule with the exception of one non-conference game. So this is kind of what it would look like. Uh, the ACC, and again, this is from ESPN. They stated, well, I say it was ESPN, it was somebody, but it had been announced that it will play 10 conference games with one non-conference game for the 2020 season, uh, and of course the argument right now amongst fans is, well, why not Arkansas? Why Navy? I don't know. They've played Navy every year since 1927. That's what you're up against. Um, if this is to be true, if this is or, or to be believed, uh, but but per ACC rules, it's crazy how specific this is. If it is BS. Uh, per ACC schools, per ACC rules, schools have to play uh, that plus one at home, meaning their non-conference game uh, in the Navy game is scheduled while uh, is scheduled at Navy while the Arkansas game is obviously at Notre Dame. Um, that's really the only weight that Arkansas carries at the moment. That's it. Like They wouldn't have to really – you're not going to have to change venues. You're, you're going to have that game still where it's supposed to be, just possibly on a different date, I think. The start date, I believe, is September 12th, or at least that's what's being rumored from, uh, I think that was Brandon Marcello of 247, who actually put that out. Um, Yeah, here it is, right here. According to Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports, the ACC is expected to start its season September 12th. Non-conference games for all 14 members, plus Notre Dame, have yet to be announced. Again, we're not going to go too deep into this, but... (sighs) I don't even know where to go with it Kyle if, if it is true then obviously the game's out Arkansas is not going to play Notre Dame if this is to be believed it,
1: it's very very unlikely just that's my personal opinion here's why I think that is like you said they've been playing Navy for a long time uh, they were originally supposed to play that in Dublin so yes Dublin Ireland overseas that clearly will not happen so if they're for whatever reason, not able to move that to South Bend, which I don't see why they would not. Um, Then it comes down really to Western Michigan and Arkansas. Now you think about the current situation that we have with the pandemic. What makes Now, yes, you might want to play an SEC team. Now, even though Arkansas is at the bottom of the barrel of the SEC, it will probably help Notre Dame's case if they play them, especially if they're playing them at home. However, again, dating – if we go back to the pandemic issue, Western Michigan's what, like probably three hours, three, four hours tops from them. Um, and that was, all, that was supposed to be a home game as well. So I, I would just because, uh, as Pinto says, hog's going to hog, uh, that would just be the way that happens with – that the schedule would play out is that – or at least the, that the situation would play out that western michigan ends up getting the nod to come to south bend as opposed to the arkansas razorbacks that's just kind of how i see it part personally happening that's not my opinion or that's not the opinion that i'm saying that the hog talk is reflecting but that's what i'm getting at
2: yeah yeah how dare you sir try to speak I know, right? speak on my behalf how dare you <laughs> I yeah no I agree I, I just if, if this is to be believed again um, which I think there is some weight to this because it's, it's very specific the kind of information and the fact that so many people were pushing it but we know how this goes too you've got Sankey out here who's who's trying to uh, I don't even know how to put it refute what's been pushed to the public today so anything could anything could happen between again between now and Friday when this podcast actually airs at six a.m on, on uh, Friday which will be the 31st so um, it's unfortunate it really is and, and it kind of makes you wonder if that is again let's 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 start this thing from the beginning here for just a second all right in, a, in another world or another timeline if Arkansas was relevant if Arkansas was you know and again I know this is saying a lot If this were the Bobby Petrino era or maybe even the height of Brett Bielema, which was like, what, a year or two, would it be different? You know, Would the outcome – maybe would this weigh on them a little bit differently if Arkansas – I guess really what I'm saying is if Arkansas was relevant to college football, was a competitor in the SEC like we were trending there for a while, or even the good years under Houston Nutt, the late 90s. Again, you could talk about the the Springdale five year right before Houston Nutt was – you know, dismissed uh, a little while after. But if they were relevant, would that have changed? Would that change the minds of Notre Dame and 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 the projection between these other two opponents? And I think that it absolutely would be the case because Arkansas at that point. I mean, you're, you're talking about a relevant SEC program, and and the kind of the kind of audience you would pull to that would be. A lot better, I think, than that of at least Western Michigan. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what their ratings are when they play Navy. I have no idea. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't watch Notre Dame football. I could care less about their their rivalries and about their their matchups. Don't get me wrong. There've been some legendary games between them and USC and 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 all. I mean, you can name several teams. They've they've had some great history. But I think if Arkansas was relevant was a little bit more powerful if they were a program winning I don't know nine eight nine games a year I think they'd have they have a lot more weight to the conversation than than other than the fact that it's a game that was supposed to be played up there to begin with it's just unfortunate the fact that you've won four games the last two years you're you're not going to bring much of a television audience you know assuming that this all goes down anyways I don't even you know this this could be the most mute point anyways because we may not have a season but yeah I think if Arkansas were more relevant um, I think I think a, a Notre Dame would play Arkansas I really do I don't know
1: am I wrong no I don't think so uh, I, I I think it's actually if I'm not mistaken it's been taught because it's it's never happened in history as as far as I know uh, actually I'm pretty sure that's correct but I, I definitely I think you're exactly correct on that
2: there's there's nothing. You know, winning cures all. You know, right? So if you have, if yeah. you do have this rumored ten game season, and that's actually our next our next topic, and then we'll uh, we'll segue into the to the interview with Brian Walker. But the SEC, in fact, to, to uh, uh, well, by the time you're listening to this, yesterday was supposed to vote. I guess on whether or not they're going to vote to have a ten game schedule. I'm still not entirely clear what the hell's happening here, but. The SEC is supposed to vote as to whether or not they're going to have a vote on a 10-game schedule. I swear to God, aren't committees just the best thing in the world? Like, aren't they just wonderful? It seems like they're taking forever. But, again, it kind of goes back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast. They're really trying to wait this thing out. Like, they're they're expecting some good news to happen between now and, I don't know, September 5th. Uh, maybe you can explain this a little bit better. What exactly is going down on Thursday, Kyle? Are they? Are, is this a vote for a vote? What are they doing?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it's essentially just another meeting like what they had next week or last week, um, and ba- and that was what I was saying earlier. I think it's probably going to end up getting pushed. Ross Del- Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated, which which Sports Illustrated initially had broken the story about the ten game ten game conference pl- play only uh, with the with the one game non con kind of like just like the ACC. So Ross Dellinger had mentioned that if if this indeed does happen, the two extra SEC games that Arkansas would draw would be South Carolina and Georgia. Now that's not set in stone either, but that he, he drew out what uh, two teams that each of the SEC teams would face. And so we got South Carolina and Georgia pretty tough. I don't think South Carolina is going to be that good, but obviously we know what kind of team Georgia has year in and year out. But – At the end of the day, Greg Sankey is refuting these things, not necessarily from Ross, but S.I., so I really just don't buy into it. It's one of those things, and you guys hear me say this so many different times, I'm not going to believe it until I actually see it, and that's the way that I'm looking at this, is until I actually – like, they can say that they're meeting and they're going to come to this or they're going to come to that conclusion (laughs) – until I actually hear something I'm just gonna think that it's gonna get pushed on to the next week
2: yeah it, and it is again it, it like you said it goes back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast they're just waiting this thing out expecting good news and I I don't know maybe with all the mask mandating I don't know maybe maybe we'll have a, a significant decline I'm not really sure uh, uh, it's just uh, it's It sucks because I'm really like I just want them to come out and just say it. Here's the plan. This is what we're doing. This is the 2020 season. This is what it looks like, no matter what happens with COVID. But at the same time, I'm also not the guy having to count the pennies. I'm not the guy that's you know I'm not working in accounting for SEC. So I, or for the NCAA for that matter, I don't know financially. Like obviously they they want to get the biggest bang for their buck. And if you do have a a, an opposite direction kind of spike, like a, a a rapid decline in COVID and that changes everything you know well at least it does in their eyes in their eyes it changes everything because because it's all about perception it's all about the perception of what the perception of what's going on and if you feel like it's safe but the thing is is there's so much there's so much out there about covid you know there's different you know it seems like every week they're changing you know how long you could be asymptomatic with it how long the recovery is how long um It takes before another strand of of COVID comes along. So, like, there's all this extra stuff, this extra baggage that comes with it. So, in my opinion, I think you just need to come out. You already know what's going to happen. It's either either you're going to play a 10-game schedule, which has been rumored now for, like, the last month, or you don't have a season. You need to come out now, get ahead of it, get everything straightened out. So, this way your ADs. You know your coaches, your your players, the families know what to prepare for. And if you wait until the last minute, it's gonna be a it's just gonna be a giant debacle. So and you're gonna look like clowns too. And the NFL's catching some heat for this as well. There's not really a plan in place. I think it was Drew Brees that tweeted last week, like get your act together, NFL. Let's figure this thing out and let's make some plans. And I think now you're starting to see them move in that direction. It's time for the NCAA. It's time for the conferences to come together and just just get it out there let's just do it whatever it is we're going to do let's do it let's let's implant the 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 action or or whatever our plans are let's let's start now instead of waiting until the last minute and then you're gonna look like a bunch of idiots and uh you know lose possibly more money so yeah it's it is it's um what a what a year 2020 has been it's it's just it sucks. Mm. Never did I think that we'd be on a podcast talking almost every episode about <laughs> about the reactions to a virus. You know, I never thought this would be something that we'd have to, d- to talk about or to discuss. And it puts us in this situation. And I know we have people that kind of expect us to know this stuff. But it's like, no, we don't. We have no idea. Okay, let's answer some Discord questions really quick. We're going to run by these, and then we'll get into the, the final segment. Um Let's see. Yo, boy, Judd wants to know if we have a football season. Do you see us winning? We answer this one every week. Uh, Do you see us winning any SEC games? If so, what teams? We answered this last week. I said probably maybe one, possibly Mizzou or one of the Mississippi schools. Kyle?
1: Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm still sticking with the Mississippi. I'm going to find out because when we do get asked this question, I always say the Mississippi schools. I'm just going to stick with Mississippi State just because I hate the – love Mike Leach as a person, but I hate the Air Raid that much. Wow. that I, I hate that offense. It's trash. Yeah, it's awesome whenever you're playing awful teams yeah. and you score 50 points and you give up 48. That's all good and dandy, but I hate the Air Raid so much.
2: <laughs> it's exciting to play with on NCAA football on on, yeah. on the console.
1: Yeah, but it ain't ever gonna win a national championship in real life. You heard it here first. Well, you're not uh you're not wrong there. I
2: I am a old school guy, man. I like I like, and I know it's it's that '90s or, or classic take on college or on football in general. But I like the power eye. You know what's coming. Try to stop it. I love it. The power eye.
1: I. It's just. But I'm uh, a smash mouth type guy. See, that's why. Even though I knew that that style, which I mean, he. Did open it up a little bit more under Enos, but I, see, I loved Bielema type football. Now, yeah. again, you, you weren't going to be able to out Alabama, Alabama, but I love running the ball, man. I'm I'm all about using a fullback and all that, that mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm kind of old school. Well, and it's, just... it's kind of funny because in high school, I mean, you know, we, we played in a no huddle spread offense, but when you have Joe Adams, you don't really have to do a whole lot except get him the ball and let him there do you his go. magic. But uh, but yeah, we played in a no huddle, <laughs> and I'm all about the smash mouth. Yeah,
2: so I am too. And, and even when I play NCAA football, as much as I hate playing it, I do play 14. I, as much as I hate that damn game, I do too. I hate it so much, but I do. I run Power Eye football. That's what I run. That's just what I like to play. Don't get me wrong. I will spread it out. I will spread it out on your butt, and uh, and and throw it all over the field if I have to. If you've got a weak secondary, but I like to run the ball. All right. Uh, hawes jay hawes junior 17 and discord seems like football is gonna happen okay guesses on capacity how will fare against strictly sec uh strictly i think he's been drinking tonight strictly sec the game season <laughs> injury reports if y'all got them uh we know hawes we love you man um I don't know of any injuries. I know
1: that KJ Jefferson reported at six three two forty two. He's a freaking tank. The, he he was he was looking like a just straight up Humvee in those videos that Arkansas football posted on Twitter yeah. and Instagram. I as far as uh, I don't know. I mean, as far as injury reports, I mean, they've just really been running routes and practice like just in shirt and shorts so i mean there's nothing that they've that they've let go outside of their locker room um you know as of right now but yeah
2: oh and i think arkansas did so did arkansas retest COVID again i saw someone post on on uh, razorback nation i don't know if that was an old post from earlier what was that last month where they they tested and uh, this had to be a new one because it said zero
1: zero positive cases uh I you know I don't know about I, didn't, I haven't seen anything about Arkansas but I I did have in my notes here that we talked about the NBA last week and some of the and, and I mentioned how a lot of the institutions are doing really well <laughs> minus uh, institutions and organizations minus the Miami Marlins yep. have uh done a really good job of keeping <laughs> cases either at zero or at a minimum out of 344 NBA players tested for COVID since the last results were announced on July 20th uh, there have been zero, so that's two consecutive rounds that where there have been no, or well, two consecutive, consecutive is two, I guess, where there have been no positive tests. So, yeah. whatever the NBA is doing, we need to take some notes. So, I mean, if if it's really hard to put college kids in a bubble, I do, I say it's it's real easy to say we need to do whatever the NBA is doing. I, I do think it is a little bit harder to keep eighteen to twenty-two year old kids in a bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just really not fe- feasible when you really think about it. Um, but either way, the NBA props, man. I, I don't, I don't uh, give the NBA props a whole lot about a lot of different things. But uh, man, they've done a phenomenal job, and I think, I think most colleges have too, and even the MLB. The majority of the MLB overall sports, whether you look at a professional or a college level, have done a great job of keeping yeah. these cases down or at zero.
2: Well, and something else I want to point out. Uh, Florida, who they had—I don't know how many people test positive for the Marlins. Uh, the question is, what kind of symptoms are they facing? You know, yeah, you'll test positive, but that doesn't mean you're you're sitting around throwing up. You know, you've got you know what coming out of both ends of your body. That, that I mean, they could be walking around like, yeah, you tested positive. Oh, I had no idea because I'm like 25 and I'm in the best shape of my damn life. Like, I, that's the other thing that we're not addressing. Like, okay, they they test positive. What does that mean exactly? And of course the the counter argument is well, you got to think about their families. Like you know, they're going to go home. What? They're going to go home to their to their to their hot 25-year-old wife who also will probably walk around and be asymptomatic. You know, I I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble for that, I'm sure, but I I like I don't see the urgency to freak out like the MLB did with Florida or with the Marlins when they had all these guys test positive like oh my god, it's the end of the world. And Look, I know our Cardinals are sucking right now. I think they lost again tonight. That's what three straight losses.
1: Yep, um, yep it is.
2: I like these guys are in the best shape of their lives now. <laughs> even though baseball is nothing like football, I mean, you see guys out there with beer guts, but still, like they're in, they're in relatively good shape and they're young. I, I don't know. I get maybe postponing games. I get that, but I, I just have a feeling MLB is going to cancel the season. What are they going to do in the NBA? What are they going to do in the Lakers when when? you know, LeBron and all those guys test positive. They'll shut the whole damn year down, and I think that's ridiculous. Okay, moving on to the other part of his question, too. He wanted to know how will fare against Strictly S- the SEC. Again, We so we already answered that. I don't think they do very well. A lot could happen. Uh, so we already kind of answered that. Uh, he also says definitely hoping for the bottom of the East to round out our schedule. I agree. I hope so, too. It would be nice to get – South Carolina, as rumored, I'd be okay with that, uh, and obviously someone like Vanderbilt. Um, Austin BF seven twenty or seventy twenty five wants to know going. Good grief, I, going SEC only games. Who do you think the other SEC East teams will we will play? Will be you guys are drinking tonight on Discord, and I'm not reading these questions before. before well, we, start recording.
1: we we covered that one with Ross. Uh, so Ross Dellinger from SI had, had mm-hmm. tweeted out that. Um, if if things go to plan with the 10-game conference schedule, it's looking like Arkansas will draw South Carolina and Georgia. So, be playing old Will, Muschamp, and Kirby Smart.
2: Yay. That'll be awkward for Pittman a little. Well, maybe not, actually. Probably a good reunion. Kirby Smart was all about that hire. He he was in support of yep. Sam Pittman going to yeah. Arkansas. Um, yeah, we already answered those questions. I did not read these out before we started, but this is a good one. Tripp, I think, had a good question last week. This is a good one. If you if you could call the shots here, what rules and regulations would you make for the attendance at games this year? That is a damn good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good question because there's so much like there's so much if you're the guy, that means you also have to consider the financial side of things. Um I, I don't know. We're hearing rumors that some programs may allow up to about thirty percent capacity. I would say, make mask mandatory.
1: Um, have Definitely them- mask mandatory. Yeah, and you know what, man? Like like we've talked about. I'm at the point now where if it, if it makes people around you feel safe to wear a mask, then just freaking wear it. Like, is it really going to hurt? This isn't like we're knocking on doors trying to take guns away. It's it's a freaking piece of cloth you put over your face. Is it really that big of a deal? I mean, I I, mean, I get being upset
2: about the state telling you, you have to wear a mask yeah, or you're going to get fired. I get I that. that. I get I like, look, can. but I'm on the same page and I say this every time. Just wear one. Like, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. People complain about breathing. I've got some, I've got some stuff going on where I, I, it's hard for me to breathe at times. And I wear it anyways. I make sure my kids wear it just just for the other guy, just for the guy that may not be practicing social distancing, just in case JIC. But what I would do, honestly, I would make it mandatory to wear a mask. I'd have them available like everywhere, everywhere inside the stadium. Get it about maybe maybe not fifty percent capacity, maybe about like thirty to forty percent capacity. I don't know what you know. What, what is it? Seventy eight thousand? I think it's the capacity at, at uh, in Fayetteville. So that's what i would do um and then obviously if if tests are readily available for the players i would i would test them at least 24 hours before kickoff and then have a damn football game that's what i would do kyle what
1: am I yeah do? I, i'm pretty much on the same thing i mean well first off uh we talk about capacity and stuff you gotta you gotta be realistic here and look at the financial stuff and you got you gotta take care of your season ticket holders um, I mean that's that's so make sure that which I, that's what Eurocheck has done. Um, he's taking care of the people that give money to the university. Uh, at the end of the day, that's what helps it run. I mean, <laughs> there was a uh, the most recent Hog Pod, which I'm a huge fan of of Bo Mattingly and the Hog Pod. Uh, they yeah, go ahead and plug them. They recently did the a uh, pod over Arkansas transferring into the from the SWC to the SEC and really at the end of the day, just like it is with anything, especially sports or just anything in life, it comes down to financial stuff. So you need to take care of your season ticket holders. They get the first come first serve and your people in the box seats, whatever um, need to make sure that those are taken care of. And then you kind of work down from there, but I definitely agree with the masks. I uh, agree with the testing. Testing is going to cost money, but you know what, if you're being safe, like might as well go ahead and nip that in the bud. And you try to figure out a way that you – th- I think it was actually Monteric Brown whenever they did the Zoom call with Sam Pittman a couple weeks ago. They did, they also talked with Rakeem Boyd and Monteric Brown, and they asked, you know, how, are, how is the coaching staff keeping you guys motivated with this stuff that's going on? And he said, you know what, you know, like we're grown men. Uh, we have to really make a decision of, of why we came to – to the University of Arkansas. Pretty much all of us came here to play football, and that's our job right now, is school and football. So create a bubble, not necessarily to the extent that, that, I know that's so easy to say and so hard to actually do, but just basically try to do what you can to keep your guys on campus and in one particular area. If they're not on the practice field, try to keep them either you know maybe out on the basketball courts Playing some pickup games or, or something like that, uh, just to where you can s- keep them in a pseudo bubble. Just so That's you can so tough to, to really- monitor. Them. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's really it's it, I, I would love to find someone that can perfect that. Um, but I mean, I'm basically with you. I, I like the testing idea. I like the mask idea. But you definitely have to take care of your season ticket holders and all that.
2: Yeah, yeah got to take care you got to bring in that money one way or another and you know god only knows how much this is going to change assuming even if even if covid goes away we say this a lot but the the current landscape of college football i mean guys it's you're there's going to be some uh, i there's going to be some permanent changes from this and and uh, whether that means you know how you're playing fcs if you even schedule the fcs opponents the non power 5 schools you know, if we don't have a season, it's going to be catastrophic, especially to the non-Power Fives. Uh, obviously, FCS is one thing, but, you know, you're probably a little bit more concerned about the guys that are in the same division and the FBS and um, the landscape of college football. One way or another, for better or for worse, it's going to be a lot different. Um, and, I, and I just want to ask one thing. You're watching uh, – and we'll end on this. You're watching – Last chance, you, and you're not
1: digging it. Are you not? What is wrong with I'm you, sure, Kyle? I'm sure. Well, by the time this episode drops, I, 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 so right at this very moment, I've got two episodes left, and it, it has been kind of cool to see because the first two seasons were in Mississippi, then the the three and four were in Kansas. So you have got four seasons right there of two different kind of small town JUCO footballs, and then you go to Oakland. I mean, just, a, you know, pretty big, like around San Francisco and SoCal, like all that area. So it, it's cool to see, like, different, I guess, a different atmosphere is what I'm going with. Yeah. But they, just like in season four, when Indy went two and eight, uh, Laney, which is the college that is featured in season five, they went six and four, which is not a bad season, but. Obviously, in seasons one through three, these teams are competing for national championships. So there's a lot more content in terms of the actual games, whereas the last two seasons they've been focusing more so on the actual players. I think with the whole Jason Brown deal in season four, uh, with him him having to resign and all that stuff, there was a lot more stuff that was enticing. But this particular year, I, I like the coach. I think he's a very decent human being and um, does a lot for his players. Has been in the coaching ranks for like over forty years. But man, I'm just I'm not crazy about this year.
2: I like I'm I think I'm just right behind you. And I don't you know we're not going to give anything away, even though we already talked about their win loss record. It's still oh
1: crap! I just did that. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I looked to that up online. Spoiler, so not alert. necessarily a spoiler. Because, because that, that's public knowledge.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. They actually talked about that somewhere on social media before they even dropped the season, how they had a – wasn't what they uh, thought it would be. At least I saw that kind of spread around on Twitter. Um, I, I kind of already knew what I was in for. But, yeah, I, I have to agree. I, I still think season one is the best season by far um, of Last Chance U. I like it when they focus more on the games. But it is kind of cool to see these kids, you know, you kind of – you start rooting for these kids and you hope they can pull out of their situations. There's a kid right now, I keep forgetting his name, the, the wide receiver slash now quarterback. Dior Walker Scott. I, I like him. I'm I'm he's rooting awesome. for that kid. Like great kid, man. He just seems I mean, he puts the team on his shoulders. He's handling a lot. He's got some he's got some father issues going on, but he's trying his best to handle it in the best way that he can for himself. And it may not be the best for like how I would handle it, but you know what? different worlds man and i'm i'm rooting for him it's like he's kind of taking on the whole world and i like him i like this coach he gets heated it's not it's not like the last two coaches it's an interesting season so far i i I can't wait to finish i'm 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 really upset that this is the last year they're doing football though like that that sucks not that they have really much of a choice now because of you know the way i think juco's now going to be played in in the spring, so that would that definitely messes up with their scheduling. Maybe that's maybe that's why I don't know, but why they why they aren't doing football anymore? I guess now they're going to do basketball, right? JUCO yeah. JUCO yeah, basketball. Going to basketball,
1: so that that's what kind of sucks about it, man. You were hoping that, which I mean, this isn't the producer's fault or anything. I mean, they can't predict how the season's going to go, but yeah, you were hoping that because it's crazy. Out of all five seasons, there's not been they they've come close. But they have not seen one national champion in no. all five seasons that they've done, So,
0: <laughs> And
2: I can remember when I heard they were going out to Oakland, uh, I'd never heard of Laney. And by the way, the year before, they won the national title. So they thought yeah. they were walking into that again, and that's not the case. So, But it's still a good – I think it's a good season so far. But I, I get what you're com- where you're coming from, though, where it's not as uh, – not as much conflict there, but there's still like I always find kids that I'm rooting for, and, and certain members of a, of their staff, and and this time I actually think the coach is a good guy, so that's that's been different than at least from uh, Jason Brown. Um, all right, I th- I think that's it, man. We had so much to cover. Next up, f- like I mentioned at the beginning, former Arkansas Razorback catcher Brian Walker interviewed by by Kyle. And Kevin. And Kevin Bohannon. Hey, Bo. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be some good stuff. You guys stick around and uh, go Hogs. Yo, what's going on, Hog fans? I hope you guys are enjoying the Friday episode of the Hog Talk podcast. If you are, do us a favor. Rate and review the podcast. However, wherever you're listening to us, we'd really appreciate it. We hope you enjoy the next
1: segment. Woo, pig, suey. Go Hogs. We're back on episode number 109 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kevin Bohan and Kyle Sutherland here, and we are happy to be joined by former Razorback catcher Brian Walker, going to talk about some of his career with the Hogs and also touch on his pro career and now him as a coach. Brian, first off, man, thanks for uh, taking some time out for us. I know it's been pretty crazy, but what have you been up to these days?
3: It have been really busy, um, and that's a good thing. It was slow uh, when the high school season got shut down. It was real slow, and uh, I took, took a whole month at home, and I don't think my kids have seen me that much their whole life. So um, they were ready for me to get back to work, and uh, so was my wife. And so it's been good. It's been a good summer. Uh, it's been different, obviously, with all the corona stuff, um, but I, we've been fortunate enough to be able to get outside and play some baseball. So, so it has been a, a busy summer just with a little bit of a twist.
1: We'll touch first on when you were getting recruited out of, out of Tulsa. You didn't start at Arkansas, but talk about uh, how, when you were in high school, some of the big offers that you had had and some ones that you were considering and, and then ultimately what got you to playing for the Razorbacks?
3: Yeah, it was a weird, you know, compared to today and how it all works, it was just totally different. I played Legion ball and we played with our high school guys and and you just kind of played and then it was over and then you went back to work. And so, um, I was fortunate enough to be around some really good coaches, uh, Shannon Dobson, who's now at Broken Arrow, he, he's been there forever, um, and, and Clay Overcash and Bill Springman and, and Sean Newkirk, but a lot of those guys had professional baseball backgrounds, so Springman took over at my high school with Overcash and Newkirk, and um, Overcash, who's now at OU as, as an assistant, he was uh part-time scout with the White Sox, and so they took me to the area coach tryouts, which back then was in Chicago, so that was my first experience. It was after my junior year, so I went there, and I, I showed well, and I was like, wow, okay, this is cool, and there was a lot of schools there. I'd never seen that many schools. There's probably 100 schools in the stands, and um, so all of a sudden, people started calling, and I was like, oh, wow, this is different, and so... I uh, started talking to some schools, went on some official visits, which uh, I wasn't committed at the time, which is different than, than nowadays times. But it was really Arizona State, Arkansas, what were kind of the final two. Um, there was a lot of interest, but um, those were kind of the final two. And, and it just kind of came down to I, I I kind of wanted to get away. And so I went to Arizona State my freshman year, and Coach Murphy was there. And they had a really good catcher there, so I redshirted. Uh, toughy ghost which was there and uh, he came back for a senior year and so it was going to be year two he i, I wasn't going to wasn't going to play so i talked to coach Overcash again and got in touch with coach and coach van horn and i was able to make the switch after my first year and come over the Razorbacks. so a little bit different story um there's no transfer portal uh there was no offers when i was a freshman sophomore junior it was really after my junior year and, and it happened fast and I wouldn't change the experience. You know, being away from home at Arizona State the first year was really good for me to, to have to grow up and figure out how to be. You know, I was 20 hours away from home, so I, I had to learn a lot of things. And then when I came back, you know, I was thankful that Coach Van Horn and Coach Degg still wanted me. And all I wanted was an opportunity to play, and they gave it to me, and I was fortunate enough to be able to, to get in the mix and, and play for three years.
4: Brian, you obviously started early on in the Dave Van Horn era. You came right after Brady Toops. And that 04 team that went to the College World Series. So, talk about how it was back then in 05 to 07 with Coach Van Horn and the staff, and how the program was just really getting going, you know, coming off of Coach Norm DeBryan. Yeah, I
3: mean, it was very early. Um, I think that was Co- Coach Van Horn's third year. And yeah. so, Coach Deggs was there. And, uh, you know, it, it was just different. It's kind of funny because when I went back and coached, it was just a little bit. Uh, I hate to use the word calmer, but that's really what it was. Um, <laughs> Coach Van Horn was in your face. Uh, he had expectations, and and you had to meet him. And he he wasn't changing. And so so I quickly learned, as you know, a 19 year old that you know I had to adapt. And and they obviously knew what they were talking about. So I wanted to learn, but I also had to uh, to adapt to him. And they were great. I mean, Coach Deggs was a big time motivator. Um, and coach Dorn as well. It was, it's funny because, you know, they've been in the game so long now and I'm obviously older and see it from a little bit different perspective, but, but they were fantastic motivators. And, and um, there's a reason why all three of them were successful. And and obviously coach Van Horn with the Razorbacks. I mean, he he set the stones um, and the bricks early and the expectations and, and there's no it's no shock now that that it just runs full tilt. And uh, you know, my second year, Coach Butler came in, and, and he, he was awesome, and I learned a lot from him. So I really learned a lot of a lot of great baseball. I was fortunate enough to to be set up to be able to move on and, and carry it forward. And and now I just get to sit and watch. My son loves to go to the games, and, and so you know I get to watch it. We watch it on TV, and and I, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity that um, that they gave me to grow. And that's really what I did is I just grew up as, as a young man into a man. And, um, but it, it, it was different uh, than it probably is now. And obviously age, age tires you out a little bit. But Coach Van Horn, I mean, he was in your face and it was good. I loved it. I mean, he, he loved it when, when we were intense and um, he dang sure was intense himself and, and still is. You can still see it all the time. But um, early on, man, it, it, it was a grind and, and it was fun.
1: Speaking of intense moments, let's uh, reverse back to March thirteenth, two thousand six. You guys are are playing. Uh, as, I guess that one was at Ole Miss, right? That series that was, was. It was a, it was a Saturday, first. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, so we're in the we're in the top of the third. You're at bat. You get behind one to two, and pitcher throws inside a little bit, and it seems to gaze your elbow, uh, or so that's uh, what it seemed like at first. Uh, and then, of course, Dave Van Horn comes out. The trainers come out. Walk us through basically from the time that that happened until your ejection or really, I guess, through your ejection.
3: So it's funny the night before we're in a tight game and there's a freshman up and he fouls the ball off his foot to make the last out. And he runs to first base and he's like, coach, I fouled it off my foot. And he's like, well, dude, you got to act like it hits you. You can't just run to first because they're, they're, you know, sometimes they don't know. So then here comes me facing a good left hander. And the ball, I swear it nicked me. It obviously doesn't look like it on the video. I'm, I'm old enough now to be able to just call it what it is. But I swear it nicked me. So, of course, you know, I take in what we learned the night before and I act like it hurts. Well, trainer comes out. He's like, you all right? It's like, yeah, it nicked me. I'm just acting like it hurt." Um, <laughs> and so then I chase the ball out of the zone. And the craziest thing is the umpire, his nickname was Onion. Like, me and him got along great. And all of a sudden, I like – I, I mean, as everybody has seen over a million times, uh, I have a freak out and point the bat at him and get thrown out. So then I'm losing my mind in the dugout. And Coach Butler's like, hey, you're on you're on TV, dog. You're on TV. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But I'm not saying anything bad. So I'm just pissed. And so finally I calm down. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? Well, I don't think anything of it, right? Okay, I got thrown out. Like, my dad's going to be pissed. He's going to tell me I'm an idiot. And I hope, hopefully my mom didn't see it. Because back then games weren't on TV. So talk about bad luck. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, YouTube had just started. And then I'm getting phone calls all through the night from just people all over the country just wearing me out because somebody posted my phone number on YouTube. <laughs> and so it's going on and on oh. and on. I'm like, good <laughs> grief. This is madness. And then uh, we're playing the next weekend. And the funniest thing, you know, everybody asks, you know, well, well what did Coach Van Horn say to you? He didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. The only thing that was said was Coach Drungo goes, hey, don't ever do that again and I was like yes sir um but the next Thursday we're, we're getting ready to play Auburn It's the end of the season and Jim Rome show comes on so I'm hitting in the cage with some of my teammates and they all come running in they're like hey you're about to be on TV and I'm like oh great so I'm on the Jim Rome show he's making fun of me it's no big deal and I remember before the game coach Van Horn goes you gonna be able to do this I said yeah I, I, this doesn't matter to me he goes are you over it and I said I've been over it and he goes good I'm <laughs> over it too and so Uh, we carried on. And and it's one of those things, you know, even recruiting kids when I was when I was coaching college, they're like, hey, coach, is that you? I'm like, yeah, it's me. So don't mess with me. I'm nuts. (laughs) So uh, my first year, this was my first year teaching, um, because I'm I'm in high school now. And so the first day of school, I showed the video and I was like, hey, look at like perceptions, reality. And what I'm telling you is if you guys don't obey what I say in the classroom, I might freak out like this guy did on TV, because that's still me. And so they all laughed and So, you know, it's one of those deals where it's like I tell my kids now, my son's old enough. I got twins that are 11 now, and I've got two younger ones. But my son's old enough. I'm like, look at son. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen, so you just have to be careful what you do. And, and again, you know, me and the umpire were great. We saw each other later on when I was coaching. It's just one of those deals where it's just – A bad moment caught on TV, and I think, you know, I've been able to twist it and be able to help young people go, hey, look at, like, you know, whatever you put on Twitter or Instagram or whatever you do, like, it can stick with you forever, and and this will stick with me forever, and Ole Miss will forever hate me, and I'll be honest, the hottie totty gosh almighty doesn't really excite me either, so um, (laughs) I don't think there'll ever be any love lost between me and and the Ole Miss Rebels.
1: So you didn't – you said that you weren't saying anything you shouldn't have said. Out of all that tirade, you, you kept it clean. I, I, that's pretty I, impressive. I kept it clean. Somehow in
3: my rage, I was able to clearly not use profanity because Coach Butler's like, hey, dog, you're on TV. And I was like, yeah, I know. So somehow I was able to keep it clean, but, um, which is even better because I don't want my kids to see that any more than they already get to see. So yeah, definitely. So, Brian, talk about coaching as a fraternity,
4: and you've talked about, you know, being recruited by Coach Overcash, who's now at Oklahoma, Coach Deggs, who's at Louisiana Lafayette. Of course, Coach Butler was at Wichita State, and you coached under him as a recruiting coordinator. Talk about your time from transitioning, you know, from a ball player going into pro ball to going into coaching.
3: Yeah, but uh, man I'm I'm fortunate with all the great baseball people I've been around and that's what I tell people all the time when I'm working with kids is is you know I, me me dying and taking all the information is no good like I need to give it away because people gave it to me so you know being in the Angels I learned a lot about catching uh, I was fortunate enough to be with Socia in, in his in his reign and man I learned so much and just so many great baseball people there and then you know, when I decided to come back because we had some young kids and, and Coach Van Horn gave me the opportunity to coach, and I got to sit there with, with Coach Butler, Coach Jordan, and Coach Van Horn every day and just watch them work and watch how the process works and how, how you recruit, how you put these teams together. And I always wanted to coach. I always knew I was I, – I, I had a heart for it because catchers just – you have to be in charge of so much stuff. So it always interests interest me and um, – so when I was given the opportunity, I, I was thankful. And, and then, you know, Coach Butler gets the head job at Wichita State, and, and he asked me to come along. And I was like, wow, this is a big opportunity. And so um, just being around, you know, getting to see Coach Daggs later on when we played him and, and just being able to say thanks. I mean, I think when you're young, you, not that I'm old, but when I was younger, you just don't realize how important these people are in your life and how much impact they have. And and so that, that was the biggest draw to me is is being able to impact young people and, and share um, the ups and downs of, of baseball, which is a lot like life, and, and just be able to give them what those coaches gave me. And, you know, it's funny that, that Coach Overcash comes up because he, he just texted me about his boy who I held the day he was born. Um, we were just texting before I jumped on this call. And and Coach Van Horn, you know, j- just watching him and his career and, and how he did it and how he's been so successful and consistent. I, I think that there's so much to be learned there. And then, and then Coach Butler giving me a shot. I mean, man, I got to learn so much. I got thrown into the fire. and He's obviously one of the best recruiters that, that that's college baseball has seen and just getting to learn from him on a daily basis and, and being able to get that understanding and then the connections that come with it, just the people that you meet. Um, you know, coaching, coaching is just – it's a blessing – and, and then the fact that I've been able to to be given so much and so much information from others that um, now I get to pass on to young people. I, I'm just thankful that that it's all worked out and that those people have played such a big role in my life.
1: And, Brian, I want to go back to you mentioned uh, playing for the Angels. Of course, at that time, the Travelers were the AA affiliate, and you spent some time there. And what was it like playing for the fan base? I guess that was right around the time that Dickie Stevens had been built. What was it like coming back and being able to play in front of a lot of the fan base that you had played for in college?
3: Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, the Hog fans are so loyal. And for some reason, I mean, I was a pretty average player. Um, There's no records other than me getting thrown out uh, that are ever going to be in the books um, for for Razorback history. But, you know, for whatever reason, the fans took a liking to me. And maybe it's because I was crazy. But... um, they always showed up and, and, you know, the, the kids would always come and it was amazing. You know, one of the kids that I always talked to before the game, he was down the left field line. Um, I would see him before every home game and they would come watch me in pro ball. He just graduated from high school. So, um, it's crazy that he was three when I started and now he's, you know, 15 years later, he's, he's graduating. He's actually going to go, uh, go help coach Van Horn as a manager, but just the fans and, and still, I mean, we'll go out to eat and, um, you'll see people and they'll be like, hey, there's B-Walk. I'm like, hey, guys. you know, It's just – it's fantastic. Playing in Little Rock was awesome because, obviously, they just built um, the park in Springdale. So, I got to come home, stay in my bed, see the kids. There were so much great things. And that's why, you know, being a Razorback, and, and I think that as you get further distance from it, you know, there's a sense of pride that comes with it. And then, you know, the, just watching the success and the people that ha- have gotten out of there. I mean, I was watching Keiko and McCann the other night, and I remember catching Keichel, and I remember coaching McCann. It's just it, – it's a great fraternity of, of people that stay in touch. I mean, we have a guys' trip every November, probably not this one. Um, but we all hook up, and former teammates, and we, we go and we play golf for like three or four days and just hang out and, and cut up, and it's just fantastic. So the, the, the fans, I can't thank them enough for, for still – Remembering who I was, because I, apparently I was a pretty good 260 hitter, because that's what I was. <laughs> um, they, they, they have always been gracious to me, and I'm very
1: thankful for that. And one question that I've asked every, I've interviewed probably about six or seven players that have have been under the tutelage of Coach Van Horn, and one question that I always ask them is, there's obviously the naysayers out there, no matter how good he does. The fact that he has does not have a national championship to his name, that's just, Cursible uh, in, in terms of some fans thinking. What would you say to the fans out there that are naysayers that say he can't get the job done or anything like that? What, what would you say to, to people that have that mindset?
3: Somebody's better because you're not. I mean, somebody that can show up every year, put a team together is what they don't understand is how hard it is. It's hard to put a team together, and you got to get lucky. I mean, to win a national championship, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to coach in Omaha. And I was there the, the night that uh, the fly ball dropped. I mean, uh, my son and I, we were sitting right next to the dugout. And so, you know, it's one of those deals where nobody is ever going to be happy. And as soon as he wins the national championship, which he will before he's done, then it'll be, well, he didn't win two. You know, and unfortunately, that's just the way the world is. But, but, I understand, but to those people that are naysayers, find somebody better because you're not going to. Somebody that can show up year in and year out, put their team in contention to win the SEC, to get to Omaha. I mean, he's been to Omaha. I mean, I think it's seven times now. I think that's right. Um, but I mean, f- find somebody better. You're not going to. And so, the grass isn't greener. Um, he is. He has proven to be a winner. He's proven to be loyal. And you know, when you talk about loyalty, you're talking about one of one of an ex-Razorback who played, who wore a Razorback, who's had opportunities, I'm sure, to leave. I don't know that, but I would think that he's been prodded to leave, and he stood strong, so the fan base needs to stand strong by him. And he'll win his national championship because I believe in him and so does everybody else. And the players that they're getting are the best in the country. I mean, they're getting the best players from across the country. So um, his time's coming, and he'll continue to work. And, and knowing him, he probably won't stop until he gets it done, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if it happens here real quick.
4: Brian, you left Wichita State a couple years ago, I think it was three years ago now, and took over Prep Baseball Report as the state director. Talk about the transition to that and how PBR has helped you know, baseball in Arkansas as a whole and how it promotes the, the young men out there.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, so I got a call from Sean Duncan uh, in February and he goes, hey, you want to do this? And I, I used it when I was a college coach because, you know, people send names. And what was great about it is you got video. And that that's what I wanted to see. Like, hey, what's the video? And, and I, I could dissect it myself. And so when they offered that up, I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, it gave me a chance to see young players again, get me back out on the road and talk to coaches. And it was just a great opportunity, I felt like, to – be able to jump in an organization that I had used as a college coach so I think there's some validity to that when I talk to these parents I might look at like not everybody's a division one player you know every kid in the state of Arkansas may want to play for the Razorbacks well they're not going to take every kid that's just not the way it works but there's plenty of places for you to play and this is an opportunity to where you know you come to an event and, and I can see you in person and we can get your stuff on your profile and then you know, when college coaches call or, or you say you want to go to a certain school that's realistic, then we can start to work that out. And so um, it's amazing, you know, leading up to our big event this week, how many coaches I've talked to just about, you know, who we're bringing. Um, we're fortunate this is the first year where it's an Arkansas-only team. So um, it's just a great avenue for, for kids to be able to, to get out there and be seen. Um, and I, I feel like I'm, it's an opportunity for me to be honest and share – my experience um, of what that process looks like because a lot of parents just don't know. And, you know, the, there's, the, they don't know the questions to ask and sometimes they're scared to ask them. So whatever bridge I can be to help that that's my whole goal, whether that kid goes to division three and NAIA division one, um, JUCO, it, it doesn't really matter to me so long as they get an opportunity to, to carry on and, and get to play this great game, and hopefully they get to go get their schooling paid for, or, or some sense of it. And so, when given the opportunity, I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And so, th- there's been a lot of learning because it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of video and, and and social media stuff. So I had to kind of get up to, up to speed on that. But um, having used it a- as a coach, and, and now getting to be a part of it, um, I feel like it's a great avenue for for people to be able to you know, maybe get to a school. There was a kid that we had an event um, a few weeks ago that he went to the event. I called a coach that's a friend of mine. I said, hey, you need to take this kid right now. And he committed to him a couple of days later. So um, it, it's just an avenue for me to help young people, and that's really all I wanted to do. It's always really cool when, you know, having
4: those connections if you have after you have an event. And because coaches can't get out right now, so they're taking the word of guys that they trust and that are on site and they can get in front of these players. But you are in Atlanta right now, and it's the PBR future games. Talk about this event and how it brings, you know, every state together that's in PBR's footprint uh, together for one weekend.
3: Yeah, It's one of my favorite events um, because we, we get to actually put a team together. Um, of, of uncommitted guys that, um, you know, they have a great week and, and all of a sudden, you know, they could be fielding offers. It's a little bit different scene here because it'll all be live streamed because of obviously all the Corona stuff, but um, a, a great opportunity to, to match up against other people from across the country and and actually play for, for a state, you know, that means something when you play for your state or play, you play for your, your summer program, like it means something when you have that jersey on. And so, it's just a great opportunity to get kids from across the state, um, come here, meet up, go through a showcase, and then play three games against other teams across the country. And uh, it's just exciting. It's fun to be around the kids, to, to get their personality, and then obviously, you know, watching them succeed and be able to get the, you know, the offers or, or the commitments that they want. Um, and, and, you know, there's a couple kids here that not a lot of people know about. And so that that's also exciting, you know, a kid that maybe wouldn't have gotten the opportunity that, that doesn't get that doesn't play summer ball, whatever the case may be, to, to be able to share their story and be able to come here and show. And that's how it worked for me. I mean, I went to one area code event, and all of a sudden I had a good day. And now, then I got the opportunity to play college baseball. I had no idea that I was even going to play college baseball. I thought I was, but I didn't know. So to be able to, to offer that and, and to be a part of it and to watch them and be around them for, for three days is really
1: is really a neat thing. Well, Brian, really appreciate you taking some time out for us today. Very entertaining, to say the least. It was uh, awesome to hear your, your perspective of your playing days and what you're up to now and uh, just the good things that you're doing and, and young kids' lives. And we just really appreciate you uh, taking some time out to come talk with us today. That'll
2: do it for Episode 109 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Woo-pig-sui! Go Hogs!
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V
2: on YouTube.
5: When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot slash podcast. Easier said,
3: done.